We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing professional gamers. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all the information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Jonathan Wendell. Better known as Fatality, he's a legendary former professional gamer turned businessman, a member of the Esports Hall of Fame, and recipient of the Esports Lifetime Achievement Award from the Esports Awards. Fatality has been a trendsetter and pioneer in esports in America since the 90s, including winning hundreds of thousands of dollars from Quake and other games. He was famously featured on MTV's True Life, I'm a Gamer, on 60 Minutes, in the New York Times, and in Forbes. Highlighting his vision and business acumen, he was one of the first to begin creating and licensing Fatality-branded merchandise, which forever changed the business of esports and laid a path for everybody else to follow. He's now the co-founder of ReadyUp, an interactive esports event platform. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you for the intro. My pleasure. So, you know, the business of esports has evolved to a place where gamers, such as our guests, were making thousands of dollars, and the smart ones were really starting to use their winnings and reinvesting into themselves to create merchandise or, you know, license their gamer tag and their other imagery to companies. So, what's kind of set the stage here? So, what was the first game you played? Um, well, the first games I played, I used to play Nintendo when I was a kid. Uh, this is like the middle middle of the 80s. But I played Akari Warriors, like a third-person uh, shooter type of game. Uh, basically like Rambo-style, like getting into tanks, shooting people uh, with bullets and whatnot. It was, it was a fun game. Uh, and then obviously uh, my dad got me into playing Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, which I used to love uh, flying planes as a kid. And then uh, it's funny, I, you know, I play first-person shooters is what I play. And uh, playing that Microsoft Flight Simulator as a kid, I actually play inverted 
uh, when I use the mouse. So actually, when I'm trying to look up, I pull back, and when I look down, I I I push up on the mouse. So uh, it's kind of funny how the early days uh, influenced uh, how I gamed in in the future. Yeah. So I mean, how did you kind of get into like you know esports and the competitive side of gaming? How did all that happen? Um, well, it, they there was this big blockbuster tournament um, in Kansas City. Obviously, it was a nationwide event. Uh, and they were playing like NBA Jam, Clay Fighter, Sonic Hedgehog 3, whatever the deal was. And I was just fascinated. There was a tournament for it. And I've always, you know, I always thought I was like the best NBA Jam player uh, that, you know, against all Ever was. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone thinks we're the best, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I decided to actually practice for the tournament. And I realized when I was playing, I was like, wow, this is like, playing a sport almost you know like i'm practicing trying to be better at the game like you're you know i'm I'm kind of deploying my tactics of how i'd get better at a sport into a video game and i thought that was really fascinating uh and then obviously i went to the tournament and i took first in my city for nba jam and i was like wow like you know that practice really did pay off uh and then it, you know that kind of sparked my interest of just like gaming as a hobby um you know still competitive but you know just kind of exciting to do that kind of thing and you know to have my name on the you know whiteboard at blockbuster at my local city's you know store or whatever deal was is kind of cool and you know people would go there and check it out and, and like i would hear from like through friends like your son's name's on the board for like uh, playing NBA Jam, <laughs> like you know, like like yeah, like he went to this tournament and he ended up winning. So it was kind of funny. You know, I was only twelve or thirteen years old at the time. Uh, when I turned like fifteen, I believe uh, that's when uh, you know PC gaming was like really kind of still an infinite infinite stage, but like uh, infancy stage. But uh, um, it was uh, Quake was like kind of like that big game that everyone wanted to play and everyone wanted to be badass at, and. Um, before that, there was a game called Doom, and I, I played a bunch of Doom and all that stuff with Sign 3D. I played a bunch of first-person shooters. Um, but Quake was like that moment where you could like log online and play against players around the globe, uh, you know, at least in the states, um, and you know, spar against them and see who's better. And so I started tra- traveling to tournaments around the Midwest for about three years, and um, I won. A, I won every tournament I entered uh, for playing Quake One, and then. Some friends of mine said I was really good, and I was I was like, ah, I'm good for like you know Midwest Kansas City, you know, like I don't know I don't know how I compete with other guys, but this is also back when the internet was really kind of shaky. Um, you know, people had dial up, people had broadband. There's a there's like an unfair playing field a lot of times um, online <laughs> because of the internet lag. Um, so I, when I went to these live tournaments, you would play on LAN. And on LAN means that everyone has the same ping. Everyone has planned basically from the same computer. The only thing you'd really have different is like you plug in your mouse or headphones and that would in your keyboard. And that would be like your advantage if you had one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just kind of won every term I entered. And um, I guess three years later, it was like 1999. I was just graduating high school. And my friend uh, told me... Uh, that was really good and I should go to a tournament and went down to Dallas, Texas to play my first like kind of like, you know, international competition, like where I'm playing against the best players in the world. And I ended up taking third there, winning four grand uh, for one weekend of playing Quake 3 Arena. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, you know, I was, I was extremely excited. I was just 18 years old. And shortly after that, I kind of went on a, uh, a tear. I just started <laughs> getting invited to every event I won like every event I basically entered for a long time, uh, you know, and 
And I just kind of dominated the scene for a very long time. Um, and obviously, I had to switch games throughout my career and so forth and, and to try to be a master at a different game that I wasn't the master at. But uh, yeah, I had a, I had a really good uh, career competing and, and uh, it was a lot of fun uh, trying, trying to be the best in the world. So when did things kind of start change for you? Was that like a moment that stood out that's like, wow, like things are different now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, right after I won that three, uh, four grand over it was um, in Texas in 1999, two weeks later, I got invited to go to Sweden to represent USA. And I was like, okay, I'm on my way. I'm like, I'm making my, I'm making my strides. People are You're recognizing me to another country. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when you think about it. But, uh, um, you know, my dad was, <laughs> he was like, there's no way you're going to Sweden. I was like, if I'm not here in February, I'm in Sweden, just so you know. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we... Uh, you know, I went to that tournament. I won uh, that tournament hands down. I won 18 games straight, losing zero against the top 12 guys uh, in the world. Uh, and then a month after that, I played in the biggest tournament, the biggest international tournament in like Quake history of like just the best players all coming to one location. I won that one hands down. And that, that's why I started getting sponsored. And I was like, wow, this is really amazing. And like the thing is, you're all signing one year deals. So you're like, okay, let's enjoy this one year as much as possible. Mm -hmm. and uh, win as much as possible. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so I basically decided, you know, I won like 150 grand in that one year stretch or so. Um, and I was 18, 19 years old and I was already traveling to Asia and to Europe and uh and obviously all around America. So um, for me, I was like, wow, this is life-changing. And, you know, and I remember just being on the plane flying to Singapore and I was just like, it's like this, like I am living like a life that people would kill for. Uh, and so it was very fascinating to me. So I cherished it a lot. And then obviously I just wanted to be the best I could possibly be uh, every time I competed and, and, uh, and, you know, and start and start dominating throughout my career. And that, that was the beginning. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. 
Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So what was it like kind of, you know, competing at these, you know, huge live events against the other top people? It's the best feeling in the world. I mean, I, I just I just like to know I'm playing against the best players in the world. Like, you know, when I grew up playing sports as a kid, you know, I know I'm not playing against the best guy in the world. So, like, how, how am I going to push myself to be the best player in the world if I'm not playing against the best players in the world? And I feel like in sports, you're kind of limited sometimes to you're only you can only play with the uh, the people that are around you. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're only if your people are only around you are only like, you know, you know, college level players, not professional level players, you're only going to get college experience. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was kind of like my mindset uh, with online gaming in general is that you can connect to the Internet and play against everyone in the world. So it opened up this uh this pipeline of basically competition where you actually get to compete against top level people all the time. And obviously going to the live events, we're playing for big money. That's where all the best players show up at. And that's where you get to kind of prove, prove to people that you are that good or that talented and, and so forth. Absolutely. So it was like kind of, you know, winning those big prize pools when you just walk out and you get that big, huge check at the end, like I'm the winner. <laughs> it's a high you can't imagine. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's an amazing feeling. Uh, you know, I was playing an individual game. Uh, so, was, I mean, I, I, I won a world championship for playing team play one time, but I won another 11 like international championships uh, in a 1v1 death match. And so it's a lot of pressure on yourself, you know, because if you lose, you know, you lost. And if you win, you know, you won. And, uh, you know, to beat some of these guys and uh, I have a lot of history of, you know, coming from behind and playing against people that are more talented at the game, uh, you know, later in my career, uh, where I kind of came into the game late and I uh, was able to take him down and, and win the win the million dollar world tour prize uh, in 2005. Um, it was surreal. Like it was just, uh, I mean, it was, you couldn't have like aligned, you know, it's like, uh, you know, watching the movie Rocky. It's like, you know, you kind of like fighting forever and then eventually you win in the biggest moment. And uh, that's what it felt like. And it just stops. You're just like, wow, like I did it. I took everything that they could throw at me and I'm still here. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, just, you know, once you start winning, you know, it, it comes kind of normal and, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, when you win the big ones, that's what matters. Like I don't care about the qualifiers or the small tournaments that much or the small prize money events. Um, they don't excite me that much, but when, you know, the TV, uh, crews there like you know recording me and and uh i know it's monumental for my career and and for my history like it means a lot to me so then i train harder i practice harder and i win the big ones so it was like kind of you know competing on mtv and then you know seeing yourself on a show uh well they followed me around for like four months uh, on mtv and you know, I was definitely not the best player in that game uh, when they started recording me. Like, I lost, I think I took third or fourth at the qualifier. Um, this is a completely new game for me because I came from a game called Quake, and the game on MTV was a game called Unreal Tournament. Um, so you really had two different communities. You had uh, people that says Quake players are the best gamers in the world, and you have Unreal players saying, I'm, Unreal players are the best players in the world. So it's kind of a funny, like, uh, 
situation where you have two different communities kind of touting like they're the best um, at their game and we're the best first-person shooters uh, in the world. So going to that game, obviously I, I lost uh, the qualifier and then I think the second qualifier, I won the second qualifier. And then obviously I trained for two months as hard as I could. And, you know, I'm co- I'm coming off like a hot stretch of playing Quake. So it's not like I'm, you know, I'm pretty like, in shape, I guess you could say, if, if that's the thing. Right, you, you're no slack here. You're coming yeah. in quick, yeah. ready. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming in hot with aim. You know, like my mm-hmm. my aim and my awareness of everything. But the fighting mechanics are different in every game. So I look at like mixed martial arts. Like there's people that are really good at grappling. There's really good people at punching. Really good people at uh, kicking and so forth mm-hmm. and and so on. Um, in esports, I feel like it's the same thing. Like I'm playing first person shooters. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I ended up going to the tournament. I trained as hard as I could leading into the tournament, and then I ended up destroying everyone at the tournament and, and winning the, the the grand prize there. And and uh, obviously MTV caught the true story, you know, and um, it was one of the top uh, three, I believe, uh, or it might be even top two or top one, I'm not sure, but it was one of the most watched ever uh, True Life episodes on MTV. Uh, it re-aired for over a day. Yeah, I mean, I definitely watched it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it, it was it was amazing. So watching it back and like watching all the moments I go through, I mean, I just remember like where, you know, where I was in my mind at that moment. And then obviously after you win, it's just kind of like, oh, like, well, I know I won. So it's going to be great. Right. It's like, <laughs> oh, I know how this story ends. It's a good <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. So um, it was just unbelievable timing. And and that was kind of like that, like my hallmark of like, you know, winning the big ones when's when the ones that matter because i think if i didn't win that one i wouldn't have started fatality gaming gear i wouldn't have started the fatality brand as as strong as i did um i used that as leverage to start my company and and start selling mouse pads and then eventually leading to licensing deals uh, with manufacturers and so forth so um yeah it was uh okay it was, so, yeah. it, it was huge so yeah, so I mean, before we kind of get into the business side of everything, sort of, you know, do people kind of stop you on the street back then? Um, people would recognize like my car I won and, and uh, you know, they'd see the fatality license plate. And then, uh, you know, pe- people like after MTV, people definitely knew who I was more. I mean, you could, people saw me every once in a while, they see me at the theater or see me at different places and they would stop me and ask me for a picture or autograph or stuff like that. Um yeah, it was it was pretty wild back then. Uh, what about now? Do they do that now? Um, I, I wouldn't say as much now, but like you know, I mean, if people people know my name, so it's like mm-hmm. if they hear the name Fatality, they just they're like, oh, you're the guy. Like, uh-huh. uh, so you know, you know, if I go at if I had a trade event or something like that where I'm like being displayed on stage, I mean, <laughs> obviously people are gonna know. Oh, that's Fatality. We should get a picture with them or autograph. So, but yeah, I mean. You know, throughout my career, you know, it was, uh, you know, when you go to these big conventions and I do these uh, fatality shootouts where basically I, I give people uh, in the audience a chance to spar against me. And if they are able to kill me, I give them a pair of headphones. If they beat me, I give them a computer or cash. And so um, we would do like these events all around the globe. And that was like like a rock star lifestyle almost because I mean, so did have, you let him win? Did you, so how no, did it work there? No, no you, no you didn't want to give away any headphones. <laughs> no, like, no, the whole point is that, you know, everyone thinks they're the best game in the world. So I, I just went around the world showing them that they're not <laughs> right. There's levels to this. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but there are some, definitely some guys are very talented and we're able to get some wins here and there or get some kills. And, you know, we, you know, it's not like I'm playing against complete randoms all the time. I mean, there's a bunch of guys out there that want, 
you know, are, are headhunting and they're looking to get that opportunity to spar against me. And, um, yeah, it was, it was an awesome time, a lot of fun. And, you know, we'd have 500 people, a thousand people in front of me at my shootouts. Uh, we'd have, you know, we would, we were throwing a party almost. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of people were really engaged into it. We did a lot of giveaways with products and, We'd have people do push-ups on stage, and we would yell and chant in German or whatever the native language was. You know, we had a good time. It was uh, it was a lot of fun uh, traveling the world and, and doing those shootouts. Right before it was kind of as corporate as it is now, and everyone was just really just having a good time with it. Yeah, yeah. We had a fire marshal <laughs> almost shut us down uh, at uh, at E3 in LA. Um, we had a fire marshal issue, sound issue in Germany. It was just the thing is like we were attracting massive crowds uh, and people were just they couldn't believe it. And like, you know, the one in L.A., we just had like a small like 13 by 13 booth and it would just be like 100 people jam packed in just to watch on these two like big screens. <laughs> so then we, we realized that we need a bigger space. We need to do bigger things. And, you know, people were asking for it. So, um, yeah, we just grew and. And, uh, yeah, it was an amazing ride. Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of credit you as being one of the first, you know, us superstar gamers to really kind of take his personal brand and monetize it with your first merchandise and branded peripherals. So why did you do it? Was there just kind of fan interest or do you really just kind of understand the business side of really how to successfully build your own personal brand? Well, you know, the thing is, like, all these companies were coming to at me for advice. They want, you know, these companies wanted to sponsor me and they wanted to work with me. Um, and so I just had a lot of power uh, just uh, by, you know, the amount of press I was getting. So getting MTV, getting 60 Minutes, getting Time, Front Page of Business Week, all these things like they're, the, you know, I'm getting the message out there for business to, and to do business. So people are trying to tag along uh, with, you know, what I was doing and, and so forth. I mean, the amount of media I got uh, covered, uh, you know, throughout my career, you know, I mean, it's over a hundred million dollars worth of TV time that I, I got for free. Um, and so during that time of getting PR and getting all, all this exposure, I was able to um, maximize my potential to start my company. And then uh, for me, I'm always looking for how to be better. How do I get better at the game? What gives me an advantage? So, you know, I started my company selling mouse pads. I was the first one to create an oversized gaming mousepad. It did not exist in the market. Um, the uh, this this actually was a printer pad. It was actually used to put a printer on it to like I don't know, make it from not rattling when you. I don't know what it was, but to stabilize it, it I guess. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, I started make I started using this oversized mousepad uh, printer pad, and I started using it as a mousepad, and then. I launched in like 2002, 2003. Um, I called up the company, the manufacturer, and I was like, hey, I just had a curiosity. How's your cells been for your printer pad? And they're like, <laughs> and they're like it's so funny. They, what? <laughs> the, guy, the guy's like, uh, actually, we've increased our cells by three times. We're selling three times more printer pads than ever before. And I, and I asked him, I was like, do you know why? Uh, <laughs> you know? And he's like, I have no idea why. And I was like, well, I'm here to tell you why. So he's like kind of fascinated, like who's this guy on the phone kind of thing. And, uh, and I was like, well, you know, I'm a world champion PC gamer and I do interviews almost weekly uh, on these online websites and so forth. And I tell everyone to go to the store and buy your printer pad. And he, and he's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this is like, I've done million, you know, millions like, of people. Thank you very that. much. sir. Yeah. So yeah, he was, he was like, 
he was definitely like, wow, this is the, he, he finally found the reason, you know, and then we did a deal and I was like, you know, I'd like to make my fatality mouse pad on my logo on it. And I want you to sell me it for wholesale or whatever costs. And, uh, you know, as a, as a thank you or whatnot, and then I'm going to start selling my mouse pads. So we started doing that and I started shipping, uh, my mouse pad, uh, to Europe. I, I would do the, you know, the sales call to a European distributor. Um, and then he basically started selling, uh, he'd buy it by the pallets. We'd ship over by boat and, um, they would sell to the European market. I uh, had people from Japan uh, buy it. Uh, they'd buy some uh, cases, and I'd send over by boat. And then all, obviously all the sales in America I did myself uh, for the first like four months or so, um, almost the first year. Um, and I did it all from myself on my on Fatality.com. Uh, so, yeah, it was like that was kind of like the beginning of the Fatality brand and and how it started. It's, just, it's all about trying to be better game and having a bigger mouse pad was – being being about the game because I don't have to pick up my mouse as much and I can keep shooting. I can use lower sensitivity and be more accurate. And um, yeah, that's how we kind of started. And after that, it was just kind of like light bulb went off and it was like, I got to make more products, not just mouse pads. Absolutely. I mean, you, you figured it out, like you legitimately understood and opened up this whole world because you saw the need and then you started to see that everyone was kind of taking your lead. And it's like, okay, well, I need to slap my name on it. If everyone's going to buy the mouse pad, they should buy my mouse pad. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I try not to just slap my name on the product. I actually try to help design it or develop the product. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was the one that kind of noticed that this was a, a need in the market. And um, so then- you changed you know, everything. Yeah, so then basically motherboard manufacturers were reaching out to me. I reached out to them first trying to explain to them, like, when I go to the store to buy a motherboard and I want to play video games, I don't know what 98752XE means. Like, I have no idea. And, like, I don't think the end consumer has a clue either. They're going to rely <laughs> on some website that tells them and, like, so on and so on. Like, they're never going to know what they buy. When you go to a sporting goods store and you see Nike on the thing or Adidas or whatever brand you see, like, oh, that's for sports. Like, you know, it because that brand is associated to sports. So I want, you know, my goal was like, I want fatality to associate with gaming. So when you see fatality on a product, you know, you can game with it. That's just, that's how it is. And so I would call up these motherboard manufacturers, my business team at the time, and we would start pitching them on the idea and they bought, they like, we get it. We understand. Let's do it. And then we started making uh Pacific built uh, motherboards with, you know, that were very good at overclocking and would, uh, you know, meet the demands of a gamer. And, you know, so then we started developing that product together. Then eventually Creative Labs called me, Sound Blaster. They're like, we want to do a sound card with you. And then I, you know, they were already working on the technology, but when they asked me the question, I had the answer and I didn't even know the technology they're, they're, they're building. They're like, that's what we're building. <laughs> so <clears> like, <throat> I knew what was needed because I'm living and bre breathing like what I'm doing in the game. And I know I need frame rate to, shoot shoot my enemy i know i need uh you know smooth gameplay i know i need to hear left and right on the sound i, I know i need to be in stereo and not in you know 5d or whatever deal is based on different dll files that uh these game developers put into their games like there's all these like small nuances that i knew and um i worked with creative creative for like a year for free just like i'm just i just wanted to learn about sound and um, I complained about a sound issue in one of the games, and that's how I got the call from Creative Labs. And like, hey, we'd like to pay you two hundred grand for a two-year deal to be sponsored by uh, by us to wear, you know, Sound Blaster and Creative. And I was like, at that time, I was 
already creating fatality brand. I was like, no, I, I really want to create fatality brand. I want to make fatality sound card, fatality headphone. You know, I want to make fatality products. Um, I want to make my brand for gamers. And so uh, a month later, you know, after saying no to their offer, they came back and says, okay, we'll do your deal. We'll do a partnership like licensing deal. And then basically we started creating fatality product with creative labs and sound blaster. And we sold millions of units, uh, you know, of, of these products. And it was, it was, uh, it was insane. It was a lot, it was a lot of fun. And we were able to create, you know, purpose-built products, uh, you know, the headphones that we made were the first gaming headphones with a removable microphone um, attached to the headset. So they were actually real headphones that you could actually talk in the microphone. I mean, obviously they're everywhere now today. Um, but when I did it, they didn't exist. They weren't in the market. Um, so a lot of the things that you know people are using today is something that you know I was kind of like you know pioneering uh, in the esports and like you know gaming equipment that was needed for gamers. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I thought of it. I mean, I think everyone that's doing stuff and, you know, reaching the heights that they're reaching now really kind of owes you a thank you because you kind of really understood the power of what your brand could be to these, you know, these tech companies, these, you know, gaming ones that are really kind of looking at this market. And, you know, you were able to kind of bring this actual practical, practical experience of competing at the highest level and you understood what you needed in order to do it. And these companies, they had no idea that this was part of what they were doing or that this is and where they, it could be. They, they had no idea that they should be paying us, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, you should well, definitely wants pay, to pay anyone. <laughs> no, but like, dude, like I was like, you want, you know, I have value here. So, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, you look at like some at 1G. I mean, look what he's doing and stuff with all, you know, all the partnerships he has. I mean, uh, you know. Like even Ninja, you know, like all these guys at Shroud, they all have like these deals now. Um, and, you know, back in the day, they didn't, they they just saw a lot of us as, um, you know, oh, they'll do it for free. Oh, <laughs> we'll just have to give them a product. Exactly, send them a headset. Yeah. And they, they, they thought that was enough. And so I constantly fought that every day throughout my career. And obviously I was at the forefront of it. So it was like, there's no information to go off of like this exists. So I had to fight every day for, you know, for what I got uh, and, you know, try to sh explain this. And, and now today you see almost all these companies were like, OK, these people are influencers, they're stars, they're professionals. We have to pay them per per that um, standard. So I didn't see any difference of what I was doing in a professional athlete was doing in, in a, in a pr traditional pr professional sport. So and you're seeing that today now, esports blowing up. I mean. The best players are being paid. Um, the best talent on, you know, on live streaming is getting paid. Like everyone's getting paid now. So it's really, uh, <laughs> it's really good to see like, kind of like how far we've came. So did you kind of imagine that everything would get to where it is where, you know, everyone's talking about billions and people earning millions of dollars a year? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I just don't see the big difference of a traditional sport and esports. Um, so the skill that is required to be the best at these games is no different than the guy trying to be the best at playing a traditional sport. Uh, yes, there's going to be a, a lot of talented people, but the best are, are going to be the best players and they should be compensated for their time and effort to be the best. Um, you know, I mean, you, you know, I mean, the, it's so much work and so much time and so much training. Like it's, it's endless to be, to, you know, to get to the top. And it's a never-ending grind. Like, even when you don't want to do it, you still got to do it. 
and you know the trick is is trying to find out how you can train that much and, tr- and practice that much and get the proper training, but also enjoy it. Uh, so for me, I was able to find really good sparring partners throughout my career and find people that actually enjoy spending time with in the first place. And that was my secret was just, you know, playing video games with people I like to play with, but they still had to be talented, but you know, people I just got along with and like the, you know, a 12 hour day would feel like six hours, an eight hour day would feel like four hours, you know, cause I'm, I'm hanging with people I like anyways, but I'm still working on my craft. Absolutely. I, I think that it really kind of shows that, you know, once you identify your value, you have to kind of stand pat on it, even when, you know, someone's willing to be like, oh, okay, well, we'll give you a free computer and, you know, we'll give you all this. But it's like, okay, but you know that I can add the value. I was actually getting you these sales just by telling people how useful your product is for what they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you can, I mean, if you can prove that and so forth, I mean, that's, that's where the gold is. Um, but you know everything is so much different now because you can go direct. You can go directly to you know the person that makes it. So like I don't have to have distribution like I did before. I don't have you know I can just do it all myself and, and warehouse the products myself and, and build it myself. I still need the resources to make the product and so forth and compete with the big guys. Um, but you know if you have an audience, you can activate against them and and, uh, and you can make it happen. So what are you currently working on with the Fatality brand? So the Fatality brand, I'm still working on uh, kind of revamping right now. Um, the big thing I've been working on is actually Ready Up lately. Um, so Ready Up, uh, we are um, we're a B2B company. We're helping businesses like tournament organizers, publishers uh, a- activate against their audience. So just like what I said, like you know, people that have mass audience need to activate against their customer base to drive transaction to buy their merchandise. Or what I see is to drive transaction to you know download a dlc of a game uh buy a game register for a tournament and so forth uh go to the shop and buy you know gear for that event and so forth and so our goal is to you know my biggest goal is to help esports be more uh reachable or easier to get to through our platform and so listing we list events of when events are going on we list uh when tournaments are going to be happening and we work with a lot of different uh from organizers we work with esl we work with uh electronic gaming federation status effect uh nace who has over 200 colleges uh, here in the u.s that are under their association uh we work with uh, cyber athlete out of southeast asia and against all of these people we're working with um you know they're going to be using our platform and we were going to help people be more engaged to drive engagement to their events um, buy merchandise, register, you know, give the information in a very uh, simple way, but also be able to add events to their calendar. So now they're in the know of like, oh, this big tournament's coming up. Oh, it's the, it's the major. Oh, that's the event that's going to be here in my local town, you know, in two weeks. Like it'll be ad- automatically synced and added to your calendar. So you're up to date and you can engage with that event uh, more readily. Uh, so we want to people just to be more involved uh, in esports and gaming and make it more easier to consume it. Because right now, I can't tell you when the next League of Legends tournament is. I can't tell you the next time if there's a live stream. Because like I'm just you know I'm not a super hardcore l- league guy, right? But like I still w- wouldn't mind watching the, a major or watching one of the best some of the best teams play. Or if I'm a fan of one team, maybe I want to watch all of their events. Um, so our platform uh, helps curate all those. Uh, 
kinds of thing to create uh, more engagement for those uh, terminal organizers, publishers, uh, teams, and so forth to engage against their audience. Awesome. So, so what are some of your future plans for ReadyUp? Yeah, so right now we're actually working on activating against all of our partners that I mentioned uh, just before. Um, so once we get them up and running, you know, people will be easily be able to find events coming up in their favorite games or uh, platforms and so forth. We're agnostic uh, to that. But um, yeah, we're very excited about working uh, with businesses that we've already kind of built these relationships with. But, you know, our goal is to constantly look for terminal organizers, publishers, and people with mass community to help them activate against our audience to let them know when esports and events are coming up. Uh, if you go to fatality.com right now, you can see uh, work has coming soon uh, information. But uh, beneath, we actually have the Ready Up widget where it kind of lists all the events that are coming up uh, across esports and gaming. And this could be a game launch title, it could be a DLC, it could be a new skin was released, it could be a tournament, it could be a qualifier, it could be a lot of different things. Um, so we look at events very broadly at Ready Up, and our goal is just to make sure this easily consumable by users that, um, that are already engaging uh, with their favorite channel that they like to get their information from. Okay, so it's kind of like the one-stop shop where every day you wake up and you see what's going on in the world of esports. Yeah, but you would see it on a site that you're already a fan of. So if you're a fan of, you know, like the Esports Observer, it's like a, you know, Esports uh, news site, um, they, we have a partnership with them. So they're going to be listing all those Esports events. So when you click Esports, you're going to have a pretty massive calendar there of all these events that are going on. And you can easily uh, engage with it. Watching, you can add it to your calendar. You can go to the shop and buy merchandise from that specific event. Um, you can download the game and so forth. Um, so... Um, yeah, I mean, we're just trying to, you know, you're already going to your favorite websites and so forth. So we're, we're not really trying to build our, uh, Pacific user base. We're okay. trying to activate against communities that already have audience. So you don't really have to go anywhere else to get this information. You can already just keep going to your favorite sites and, uh, and get, get your information that way about esports and gaming. Okay. That makes sense. I think that's, you know, a kind of a good approach that way. It's kind of like you said, you're taking their existing people and people that are already kind of going there as part of their day and just exposing them to what else is going out there that maybe they don't know that this is coming up, but now they're going to know. Yeah. And they're going to add it to their calendar and they're going to have all those engagement tools, uh, you know, embedded into their phone. So the thing is when they get a notification on their Google calendar or outlook or, uh, and so forth or Android, um, they will get that information. They'll be able to click on the watch now link when it goes live. Uh, you know, they can plan for the event. You know, like if I know event is going on tonight at 6 p.m., I would already start planning my day around watching it at 6. The thing is, like, if you aren't in the know of like right now and then and, you know, where or wherever the deal is, like you, you don't have time to plan for it. So um, my goal is to kind of just make it easier for people to um, get the information they want and, Keep them in the know. Absolutely. So, you know, shifting gears a little. So what was it like to be inducted into the eSports Hall of Fame? You know, what does that kind of mean to you? You know, it's just, you know, it's just people, uh, you know, recognizing uh, the work I've done. Um, you know, you know, I committed, I mean, I've committed my whole adult life to eSports. So, <laughs> um, so I guess, you know, it was, just being recognized uh, for my hard work and so forth and what it meant to be a professional gamer during that time. Um, you know, winning, uh, you know, I was the highest earning player in esports for over a decade uh, from like 2000 to 2011 or so or 12. 
Um, right, then Dota 2 came and changed everything. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I think everything's going to change anyways. Uh, you know, after Dota, it might be something else. Who knows, uh, you know, 10 years from now. Um, but it's just, uh, yeah, it's just really cool to be recognized uh, for, you know, what I was able to do during that time. And it was the beginning, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was the beginning of really esports taking off and, and going worldwide and traveling the world to compete on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, for me, I was kind of like the Johnny Appleseed uh, where I would go around and barnstorm the world in different countries and do these fatality shootouts and do tons of press and explain to people esports is coming. It, it's the next big thing. You know, it's going to be the sport of the 21st century, you know, uh, type of uh, messaging. So I was always... Um, you know, thinking that, and I was just trying to do my best to uh, put esports in the best light. And I, every day was based around that mission for me uh, was just to help grow esports and and tell it through my story. Absolutely, and you kind of get the recognition of like you reach that, and you know, I think the respect of your peers. And I know you, you know, on the esports lifetime achievement and more from the esports awards. What was that like to kind of? have this recognition of everything that you've done over the, you know, almost last 20 years, I would say. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, it's just, you know, it's my relentless approach to, you know, obviously, you know, doing the fatality stuff, but also doing the ready up stuff now. Like, you know, my heart is in the right spot with esports, and um, my goal is to try to always grow what we're doing and, and be a, a leader in this space. And um, yeah, lifetime achievement awards, uh, a very serious award to get. Um, and it's just, you know, just it's your life's work, you know, I mean, it's two decades of commitment to one thing. And, and that's been kind of like, you know, my everyday grind. So just trying to be that beacon uh, uh, in esports and, and tell my story as a player and as a businessman and, and all the things I've went through. And I think that it's a, you know, it's a very uh, noble thing to receive or as an honor to receive a lifetime achievement award. And um, I'm looking forward to doing more with it. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to say thank you from all of us out here that are, you know, making a living off this. And hopefully all these others will give the nod to the person who kind of really laid the fast, you know, the path for them. I but, appreciate it, man. <laughs> so, you know, so what's your favorite part about being a professional, being a professional gamer? What was, you know, the thing that just always stood out to you? I mean, you know, it, the, the best, the pr practice was so much fun. I love training for tournaments. I love playing against the best guys, but traveling and competing. I mean, that's, that's where, you know, I want to go to, you know, to a tournament. We're all on the same computers and we're all just duking out and the best man wins. No one has an edge or an advantage any which way. It's just, you know, how good are you and how good am I? And let's go at it. And so for me, the competition was the most fun part about it. I mean, you know, Games like Quake 3 Arena, if, if it stuck around forever, I would have never left Quake 3 Arena. Quake 3 Arena just, it, you know, it, you know, prize money was shifting all the time back in the early days. So I had to shift with it. And I had to, you know, uh, be the best at a different fighting style. And so all the games I played throughout my career, I always look at it, it's like a different fighting style. So every every time I got to hop into a new game wherever, I have to learn how to fight completely different than I've already mastered for the last three years, or the last two years, or the last year. Then now I got to master this one. Now I got to master that one. Like it's like a ever ever revolving door. I mean, you look at guys like in Fortnite now. Uh, you know, you know now they're building. Uh, you know, right? Uh, I like that blows my I, mind that you build and shoot at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's it, you know, but it's a cool thing because it's a it's a new fighting technique. It's a new it's a new art. Having so, a defense and all that in it. 
Yeah, I, I I like it. I but you know a lot of people can't handle that. Um, oh no, I couldn't do both. <laughs> I'm terrible. Yeah. But like, <laughs> that, that, but the thing is, like, people can't adjust. Like guys in the past, like you know the guys who are best at Quake Three Arena, they never moved to the next game, like Unreal Tournament. They never moved to Painkiller. They never moved. Like the money is there. You should go. But people have a hard time, like not being the best at something again because they already put so many years into one craft. Right. Right. So they don't want to put all that energy into the next craft. And that was kind of where I was different. I was like, I, 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 I love the challenge of learning something new and, and going in at, uh, in on it and creating the new meta for that game and so forth. And for me, that was a lot of fun fighting, you know, fighting from behind sometimes, uh, you know, I like the story, you know, I like the storyline, um, and I like the the grind and effort it takes to get there. And when you win, it it means all the world uh, to come back and win a win a championship. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, I think it's something that said that, like being able to kind of be a top player in multiple games and understanding what you need to do to succeed in them is something that you know really kind of probably sets you apart. Um, so, what's some of your kind of your most memorable competitive accomplishment? Like sometimes it's like, "Whoa, I can't believe I just beat them," or like you know, beat comeback victory. What's something that always kind of stands out to you? Well, there's there's so many moments like where you know I always try to do like something crazy and like all the tournaments I played in, just try to you know like almost like a little flair to my game, um, and you know the the you know the CPL summer event that I won in 2000, I won forty grand there. Um, you know, uh, I did a double rocket jump off a wall and people didn't even know that was possible. So when people saw for the first time and in the finals, they the crowd went nuts. I could hear the ooze through my headphones uh, that people were like, they couldn't believe it, you know? Um, you know, and I have had other moments where like in Unreal Tournament, um, I was playing against a guy named Eska and and the, I think the score was tied 4-4 or something like that. And it was like, like the last like minute or two and he was going to kill me like probably nine out of 10 times or more. Um, but I punched him off this bridge perfectly and I was able to escape, get away, get all the armor and come back and, and kill him to win the, the game five, four, and then go on to the finals and win the whole tournament. And so like these like moment, like th- these moments that like, you know, if was recorded better at the time would have been like, the Holy Grail, like on top 10 sports center kind of thing. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and, you know, and um trying to think of other uh, storylines, I mean, in doom three, I, you know, there's some videos out there, some really bad video, <laughs> like of just the quality perspective. Um, but I, in doom three, the game actually had uh, physics where you could shoot out the lights in, in the, in the game. And it would create, these new shadows that didn't exist before and doom three was a very dark game. So like I was in the finals competing for 25 grand and I shot one of the lights out and then hid in the shadow and my opponent literally ran right by me. And, uh, while there's like 2000 plus people at QuakeCon, like in this, uh, in the crowd and I kind of turn look at the crowd and, and they all, everyone had their like their jaw dropped. They were like, oh "What God. just happened? What just happened?" Like, and then you know, DJ Wheat, Marcus Graham, uh, he's like commenting, like he's like, "This, I can't believe what I just saw." You know, like, uh, you know, it was like those kind of moments where, like, you know, I'm playing a different game almost, uh, and uh, it was always fun to kind of like show those uh, moments off and and do it in the craziest situations to uh, win the tournament. So. 
Um, definitely a lot of good memories. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that, you know, the hidden ball trick or, you know, Sean Payton in the Super Bowl doing the onside kick to start the second quarter. And, like, nobody saw you doing an onside kick in the Super Bowl or, you know, pulling out a new move, a double jump in, you know, when it matters most. But that's why you won because you knew that if you did something unexpected, they wouldn't be expecting it. And that's kind of that competitive and mental edge that, you know, separates a champion and, you know, the guys that are just trying. Yeah, the thing is, like, you got to be creative and you got to um, you, you got to spend time on the map sometime and just like have fun and just run around, just try to create like new tricks and new things that no one's ever really thought about before. And then if you become the master at it, you know, no one's going to know even that it was even coming. So then, you know, obviously, after they see the trick, they all went home and practiced it. <laughs> right. Uh, everyone. Yeah. And then everyone became a master at it, you know. But like the thing is, at the time, it wasn't the thing that people were really thinking about or even thought was even possible. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about like, you know, I loved running around maps sometimes just by myself, just running around for 30 minutes, just checking things out. Like, you know, is there any secrets on this map that, I, that no one else knows about? Like, is there any, any hitches in the, in the wall, like where, you know, something could happen and all that information plays a big part of it. Um, my last one that was really kind of funny was, uh, uh, this is uh, when I was playing Quake 4, but I was playing against uh, the Russian gamer Cooler. Uh, and and uh, we were playing, I don't know, quarterfinals, wherever it was. And and we had a moment where he um, he had me kind of stuck in a corner. Um, it was like near armor, like red armor. And and I know if I jump up on the l- l- the ledge, it's a free shot. He's going to hit it every time, right? Um, so to kind of play around with him, I would jump on the ledge, but then fall off immediately. And he didn't shoot because he knows also, like if I just walk one foot forward, he's going to hit the shot every time. But I, I played around I would run into the wall, like run it. Like, like if you can imagine a body running into a wall, how goofy that looks <laughs> and then jumping on the ledge, then jumping down and just kind of like just playing, baiting <laughs> playing him. yeah, playing around on this jump that I was trying to do, but I was failing every time because I was trying to be a complete noob. And that was kind of the, you know, that's when you're playing against some of the best players in the world, they show different faces. Like, you know, you can be a noob sometime and the noob play is the best play to play because the pro is expecting a pro move all the time. And so you got to have all these different things you do to get inside your opponent's mind. And so I jumped on this little little uh, edge and I'd fall off, jump on the edge. Then I'd run my shoulder into the edge and jump on the edge. And then eventually I jumped and ran away. <laughs> and, and then he missed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I start yelling across the because he's like on the other side of me in the tournament in New York City, and I'm yelling at him. And I'm like, I was like, "Cool, you can't shoot me. You can't, you can't shoot me." And he's yelling in Russian the whole time, <laughs> pissed, you know. And it was so funny, but uh, but yeah, those those are the greatest moments. Is like when you really get inside your opponent's mind and 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 get them get them good, right? You just beat him. Just like I'm playing with you. I'm playing. Boom! Strike over. Game set. Match point. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The mind oh, games so are sh- amazing. So shifting to the business side, what was you know kind of the most memorable thing that just always kind of stands out to you? You know, I mean, obviously, business side was you know obviously saying no to that two hundred thousand dollar deal. Uh, that was monumental in my career, like launching the Fatality brand and and basically betting on myself versus being sponsored. Um, you know, because obviously that you know two hundred thousand dollar deal turned into multi million dollar millions of dollars um and so 
it was just, you know, a decision I made, uh, you know, that's, um, that was monumental at the time. And I just really believed in what I was doing as a player and as, uh, as a professional gamer and, you know, as a person doing business, uh, you know, this is what I want to do. And I didn't want to give up on that. And I, you know, for me, I was always trying to set the bar as high as possible, uh, in esports. and at, you know, me being at the peak, uh, at, at during my time, uh, I just try to set the bar as high as possible because, you know, if I don't set the bar that high, then where does that leave for everyone else in the industry in esports? And so that was like always my mindset is just try to set the bar as high as possible. If I'm the number one game in the world, I need to act like the number one game in the world and I need to demand more. And so uh, I just try to set the bar as high as possible for everyone in esports. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you, you know, kind of give everyone that perfect example of like, you know, sometimes you really, you got to bet on yourself and believe that you can, you know, make things happen. And then sometimes that's the route. And, you know, as you say, it clearly worked out where if you would have, you know, took that money up front, it might not have panned out as you would have wanted. And, you know, years later, you're kind of like set to kind of pursue whatever you want. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was a good decision. I mean, they they could have come back and said no, though. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> they, a gamble. They, that's they, why they, it's yeah, a bet. Yeah, yeah, they said no. <laughs> or they said no, and then a month later they came back and said yes. So it was. Uh, it was great. But yeah, that's that's the risk you gotta take sometimes. Yeah, because you, you knew. gotta be you, you gotta be knew. gotta be okay with either side. And you knew because, and they knew it too. And that's just kind of the game that they're playing. Like, oh, well, if we can get his name for this, then why don't we? But you're like, I know what my name is worth. And if I put it on this and I say, this is what you buy, a lot of people are going to buy it. <laughs> yeah. But like, like I said, it wasn't always about my name on it. I mean, it was more about the brand and just, uh, you know. Yeah. Like was, your affiliation uh, with it, you saying, this is what you want. If you want to yeah. have the great sound system and compete at the level that I'm at, you need this product. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, I really kind of like to end every episode with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch? Oh, favorite game to watch? Give me a few, you know, I'm not that choosy. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just, it's always funny because like, you know, sometimes I feel like the guys, you know, you know, the favorite, a professional gamer, they don't really watch, they play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I was, uh, it's always funny when I get asked this question. Um Favorite game to watch? Um, you know, I still like watching arena shooters um, just because that's my heritage. Um, you know, the the first-person shooters are the best games to watch, so it's kind of hard to say, like, which one specifically. I like I like all of them because, you know, I was a champion of multiple ones. Um, but, you know, the arena shooters, I feel like, are still, like, the highest, like, one of the, you know, I think it's probably the high. I think it's the highest skill in esports. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't get as much respect as it should um, for skill that is there. But it's kind of the nature of the beast is that, you know, people want that 50-50 experience. They want to feel like they always have a chance. And um, I just think arena shooters takes out a lot of the luck in the game. And it comes down to like raw skill. And uh, so, yeah, so I like watching arena shooters because, you know, you're watching the best in the world play, I believe. What's your favorite games to play? Favorite games to play. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've been like, you know, right now I was playing Diabotical. It's a free to play game on Epic Game Launcher. I actually held the tournament for it uh, this last year and uh, it was a lot of fun. It's actually a pretty fun game to play. 
Um, it's pretty fast paced, like every arena shooter is. Um, but yeah, I like speed. I like I like to play games that are really fast paced. And uh, if you make a mistake, you pay for it. Um, mm-hmm. So Diabolical has been one of my favorite uh, games to play in 2020. What's your favorite video game character? You know, Mario, Luigi, Pikachu. <laughs> favorite video game character? I mean, you know, obviously I was always uh, a Mortal Kombat guy as a young, like, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid or whatever, uh, going to the arcade and, and so forth. So yeah, Mortal Kombat was by far uh, by far one of my favorites. And yeah. It's like, so who's your favorite character? Who's your go-to? Uh, you know, it's always about counterpicking your opponents, but, you know, Sub-Zero, Scorpion, you know, those were like my go-tos. I always had fun playing those. Okay, awesome. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was so amazing and insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, just go to fatality.com and you can find me also on uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, all that stuff. Just uh, Fatal1TY, Fatal1TY. Yes, sir, the legend himself. So, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J-E-S-Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. episodes.